Hello, friend. You're listening to our Mission Path. I'm Timothy Downing. Today's cultural insight has to do with church culture. According to a survey in 2007, Ecuadorians fall into these religious categories. 77% are Catholics. When I began visiting Ecuador on short-term mission trips over 20 years ago, the number was much higher, 98% of Ecuadorians considered themselves Catholic. Only 2% considered themselves anything other than Catholic. Today, 14% of Ecuadorians consider themselves Protestants. Protestants are oftentimes called evangelicals in Latin America, although there are some theological differences between the two groups and between the group that we actually represent, the Church of God out of Anderson, Indiana. We would not consider ourselves Protestants or evangelicals. But that's the category that we fall in. One percent of Ecuadorians consider themselves of other religions. This includes the Baha'i faith, Buddhists, Muslims, and North American pseudo-Christian cults. The kind of cults that you can't really name, otherwise you'll get sued. Seven percent of Ecuadorians claim to have no religious affiliation. And one percent chose not to answer. I think of a particular interest for those in the United States is the percentage of those who follow Islam. In the United States, 1.1% of uh, the population follows Islam. That is the third largest religion behind Christianity and Judaism. In Ecuador, the Islam community of Ecuador, the Comunidad Islamica del Ecuador, is of the Sunni denomination or division, and they have approximately 60 adherents in the city of Quito. The other very large city in Ecuador is Guayaquil, and in their mosque they have about 85 participants. The Islamic presence is not very large in Ecuador. The Protestant or Evangelical Church, the grouping that we find ourselves in, is growing rapidly. And because we fall into this group, we can speak of some of the differences that we see between churches in Ecuador and churches of our kind in North America. It is important to remember that when we speak of cultural differences, we are not necessarily using terms like right or wrong. We tend to say that things are different. There are, of course, right and wrong that cross cultures. However, in most things... It's a cultural difference. It's not a moral difference. And that is a huge distinction that we need to make because we're not saying that the North American church is doing things wrong or the South American church is doing things incorrectly. What we are saying is that there's a cultural difference between the way we do things here in Ecuador and the way that things are done in the United States particularly. It might be helpful to remember the phrase, when we're talking about cultural differences at least, to remember the phrase, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just different. Or as my kids have fixed that phrase, it's not right, it's not wrong, it's just weird. One of the significant cultural differences that we see between the North American church and the South American church, or the church in Ecuador in particular, is the approach to niche ministries. 
And by niche ministries, we mean those ministries that focus on a certain demographic in the church, youth or children or senior adults or the choir or the music ministry. All of those are niche ministries. Again, nothing wrong with niche ministries, but in North America, we tend to focus more on those niche ministries. We hire youth pastors, or we employ children's pastors, or if we can't hire or employ a youth pastor or a children's pastor in North America, oftentimes the families in the church feel like the church isn't meeting their needs. That is not the case here in Ecuador. In the States, there's more focus on those silo ministries or niche ministries. In Ecuador, there's more focus on corporate ministries or family ministries. Instead of sending our teenagers out of the service, they worship alongside their families. Actually, most of them are involved in the service in some way or another. The children are quite often included in the worship service in many profound ways, ways that make impacts in their lives. For example, after Sunday school, which is, I guess, another thing that is falling out of favor in the United States, but here, Sunday school programs are going strong, and after Sunday school, what will often happen is each class will be responsible to report to the entire church what they learned that day. They will say the scripture by memory that they had studied, and they'll show their art project or they'll tell of something that they learned during the Sunday school hour. We have noticed over Facebook over the last several months that there has been a resurgence in the debate over a hymnal versus a projected words on the screen type approach as it comes to church music. And that is simply not a debate here. Most of the churches that we work with sing songs from memory. They don't have a hymnal. No church could afford to give that many books away. And they don't have a projector. Most of our churches can't afford to have a projector. That's not to say that there are no projectors or no hymnals. There are certainly both in our churches. Most of the songs are sung from memory, not text. Their repertoire is impressive because the hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs are memorized. They tend to be more prevalent in a normal everyday conversation. Less importance is put upon perfection or performance, and more is on participation. In our churches, you'll often find youth participating in integral parts of the worship service. They'll sing a song or they'll have instruments that they sing. They lead music. They take up offering. They pray. They read the scripture. Seasoned saints here are respected and listened to. The churches here seem to be a little bit more free to express their thoughts. For example, before I became a missionary to Ecuador, I was a pastor for 14 years. In the United States, when a pastor asks a question, it's usually not to be answered out loud. The church is not about to answer it out loud, and the pastor usually doesn't intend to have actually asked a question that would gain a response. It's meant more as a thought process. But here, if a question is asked by the pastor, eager people will respond to the question. And oftentimes, if there's a question about the sermon, people will ask. They'll just interrupt and they'll ask. It reminds you of the section in the second chapter of Acts 
When the people interrupted Peter in his sermon and asked, well, how then can I be saved? In fact, that very thing happened to me as I was giving a sermon here. I was preaching and somebody interrupted me and they said, this sister wants to be saved right now. So we stopped the sermon. We went over to the sister. We prayed. We explained salvation to her a little bit. She prayed a prayer and we went on with the service. People sometimes are so convicted of their sin and so desirous of salvation that they can't help but interrupt the sermon. They want what we're talking about. Another cultural difference here is that often there is no preparation, but people are called on. In other words, the leader of the service will simply call on a brother or a sister to pray or to take up the offering or to read the scripture, and it's considered an honor for that brother or sister to serve. All Christians are to serve, and so it's not considered rude or out of place for someone to just call upon somebody to pray or call upon somebody to serve. And the final difference that we want to share with you has to do with buildings and dedication. Oftentimes, we are very dedicated to our buildings in North America. But here, the people are very dedicated to their congregation. They will oftentimes suffer through what they consider to be very difficult times with their congregation because God has placed them in this congregation and has not given them permission to move to another congregation. Church hopping is looked down upon here. In fact, I'm very careful to share how many churches that I have served in. Pastors in general do not move from one church to another. We know of a brother who was put under discipline in the church, and he stayed in that church for years until he was allowed to serve again. That is just not something that most of us North Americans have in our mindset. That's not a cultural thing for us. If a pastor comes to us and says, brother, you have been gossiping, and so you can't serve in the church until we take care of this problem of, sin, of the sin in your life, most of us are looking for another church. There are a lot of similarities between the North American church and the South American church. But the one that we want to highlight for you today is that there is one God, one Christ in whom we can be saved. There's one Holy Spirit who empowers the believer. There is one body, and that is the body of Christ. Though we tend to make many divisions in the body of Christ, we call them denominations. All of those, all of those are in some form a sin because we surely are one body united in Christ, bound by love and focused on worshiping the same one true God. Today's podcast was voiced by me, Timothy Downing, and produced by Esperanza Downing. Our family of seven serves Jesus Christ as missionaries in Ecuador. We want you to know more about our ministry, so we invite you to go to ourmissionpath.com. That's O-U-R-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-P-A-T-H.com. There you can find out more about us. You can see pictures, videos, 
read stories, hear more podcasts, and see how you can be involved in our ministry. God bless and thanks for listening.